Hello everyone and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast where father and son talk faith and footy. I'm your host, Father Ben, a Catholic priest for the Archdiocese of Sydney, joined once again by my co-host, spiritual son, Anthony. <laughs> Anthony, how are you going? I'm going great. Feeling good. It's, it's been a massive weekend, so I can't wait to have a chat about it. We've got a lot to unpack. How's your week been? It went by quick. It did. But it's been good. Grand Thank final God. fever. Yes. We had the AFL grand final. Mm. We had the NRL grand final. It wasn't a good weekend overall for people in Queensland. No, it wasn't. It was our, good for me. Both our, teams. Our, our little revenge yeah. for the origin loss <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah, we've got to rely on clubs because <laughs> <laughs> as a state, state can't do it. <laughs> as a state, we've got nothing. No, look, amazing week in yeah. sport and capped off. Beautiful long weekend. And it's been really, really beautiful. It's been mm. great. And one of the greatest grand finals I've watched in a long time. Yeah. Happened Isn't last it? night where Penrith overcame the Broncos in what was one of the most exhilarating finals I've watched. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest comeback in a grand final ever. And it was, it had me on the edge of my seat. Mm. I woke my nephew up probably because I was screaming, but you know. There would have been a few young people woken by their parents and rowdy mobs last night. Yep. Yep. Just the excitement, that second half, my goodness. Yeah, it was action-packed, as they say. So Action-packed indeed. Can't wait to get into it. Now, I have to give credit where credit is due. Mm. You made a bit of a dodge prediction the week before. You went with your heart, not your head. <laughs> yeah, we both picked Penrith. Yeah. And you actually picked the winning team's score. I did. From last week. Yes. But you didn't pick the losing team's score. Yeah. But that's all right. You got 50-50. It's all good. I did. But I didn't get the way... I, the, the way the game went was completely opposite to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, Penrith were the one with the late flurry of tries. Yeah, And you exactly. said Brisbane would have been. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't think it was going to be close at all. But kudos to the Broncos. Um, they really stepped up. They did. For such a young team. They did. Yeah. They did. So it's been a big week in footy. Yeah. So before the grand final, we had the yep. Dally M's. Yes. Uh, there was a lot to talk about there. We've had the resignation of a New South Wales origin coach. Mm-hmm. We've had so much go on. And then we, we capped it off with an amazing grand final last night. Yeah. This is your area of expertise. Where do you want to start? Well... I think we start with the big news of Brad Fittler quitting. <laughs> Controversy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to add that quitting as New South Wales origin coach. So apparently what's happened is Fittler was willing to be coach again. No one went up against him um, out of respect for him and what he's done for New South Wales rugby league and things like that. And... The board, in my opinion, clearly didn't want him, but out of respect for him, again, they offered him a one-year deal, but for less money, which was reported by um, James Cooper, I believe. So it was reported, so he's on 450000 a year as origin coach, and apparently there was a significant cut that was offered to him for just a one-year deal, and he wanted two years and a bit more money. So, in the end, he's decided to quit. Though what I think has really happened is the board's sort of just pushed him out. They don't want him. But out of respect, they offered him this shonky deal mm. so that he would 
on his own terms leave. And I wonder if he would have had a little bit more weight to his demands had they had won the last couple of series. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, Billy Slater just signed a... And this announcement came on the same day the announcement of Slater re-signing for three years came. Mm. So, with what Billy Slater has done, he's earned himself a three-year contract and probably on, on a bit more money. But Fittler's three out of the last four, he's, he's lost. So, and, and there have been questions over his picks, tactics, um, subs, you know, like interchange. Super pick of origin this, this year was clearly <laughs> Tavita Pangai Jr. in game <laughs> one. <laughs> what were be. you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that has to be one of the most random selections Ever. That and now the guy's going to be a boxer. <laughs> Thanks for playing, Tavita. Well done, champion. Yeah, because he's reached the pinnacle of footy. He's, he's repped origin. Um, he's repped his state and, and his country, so he's, he's off to boxing. Mm. But, um, yeah, and then, like, even bringing Damien Cook in into centre. Like, centre, that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Yeah, he's got speed, but centre is, in my opinion, one of the hardest positions to defend in especially in the game the decision making is you make one wrong move and that's a try yeah you know so to put a hooker in center is one of the most ridiculous moves so we've had that news Mm. do you have a pick as to who might be the replacement there are a few being speculated the first is ricky stewart who has had his go at origin. And I guess it was at the time where it was against, you know, the big three and, and the dominant Queensland side. Um, Ricky Stewart's name's been thrown out. Laurie Daly's name has been thrown out recently, although he's reportedly denied any um, want to be a coach, any desire to be a coach. He's sort of ruled that out um, for New South Wales. And then the third is Craig Bellamy. So that'll be an interesting one. He, I recently found out he did coach, which I didn't know. He coached Origin once upon a time, New South Wales. He's, he's a solid choice, I think. He's proven himself. Phil Gould, is, his name surely will be thrown in there, but he said he doesn't want the job, so we'll see. And I was watching an interview earlier this week. Andrew Johns has laughed away the thought. Yeah, yeah. That he might ever be considered yeah. <laughs> one of the immortals of our game. Yeah. And yeah. he has said, you could not pay me enough money to be a coach. <laughs> yeah. So he clearly knows what it's all about and yeah. how much pressure comes with the job. Yeah, but that's a shame because he, he's, he's a footy brain. Like, he's actually pretty good. You watch his commentary and things like that on footy uh, on Channel 9 and he's actually got a solid footy brain. He knows what needs to happen. He watches the game in a different way to other people. And has solutions that I think most people wouldn't really think of and things like that. So that's a shame. But yeah, he, he's made it clear a number of times he doesn't want that pressure. Um, Michael Ennis is another potential. I don't, think, I don't think they would give him it, to be honest. I don't know if he wants it. But he is... Ennis is a footy brain. Like when I watch the way Slater talks about footy and the way Ennis talks about footy, they're very similar in that they're so different to what you usually hear and things like that. Like, mm. they, they see things that others don't. 
So I would like to see Ennis. He's a half decent commentator, Ennis. Half decent. Oh, he's I, one of my. I don't favorite. mind him. I don't yeah. mind him. He's pretty good. He's one of my. So that's mm. the big news coming out of Origin camps. Anything more to add on that? No, other than if Michael Ennis ever comes across this podcast, I really encourage him to go <laughs> to go for after it. the New South Wales coaching role. That that might be biased as well because Ennis is probably probably my favorite player of all time. Okay, but he's he's a footy brain. That's. Well, there you have it, the Spiritual Sons endorsement that Michael yeah. Ennis should step up to the plate mm. and coach rep footy. You better believe it. Very good. <laughs> so later on in the week, we had the Dally M's. Yeah. It was later in the week, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been before it. I'm not sure. Before, after. It's been we a long can week. Edit. We can edit. We're on the internet. We can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of anything, like, subscribe, Oh, Everything smooth, that we've... Yeah. It was smooth, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really... I'm getting better at this. Honestly. Like, good subscribe, all of our internet channels, um, all of it. <laughs> Apparently, we don't have MSN Messenger. <laughs> we will record the show, upload it to a USB, and deliver it to you <laughs> via Carrier Pigeon, <laughs> should it be necessary. But do everything in your power to get onto the show. Because we're talking about faith and footy, the two greatest things on earth. Faith coming first, of course. You're a spastic, you mate. You didn't know I was going to do that, did you? Yeah, a spastic. I had no idea. Anyway, oh, so man. USB. Talk. No one even uses USBs USB. anymore either. We can look. No, not no one. With technology, we can airdrop. We can do all sorts of things. Mm. I'll leave that to the technical team. Leave me out of it. But <laughs> let's talk about Dally M's. Yep. We won't have time in this show to go through every single award. But just a few highlights on your end. Caelan Ponga, by one point over Sean Johnson. What do you think? Not surprised. Mm-hmm. Not surprised. But I think you've got a lot more to say on this topic than I do. So I'm just going to give you the microphone. Well, I appreciate that <laughs> because I was fuming. <laughs> um, I think, and, and I know a lot of people have been saying it and they, they would agree with me that Johnson was robbed of the Dalian Player of the Year. I think if you're going to argue anything about Ponga being a better player, he was the player of the last 10 rounds of the season or maybe even the last seven or eight rounds. Because they <laughs> went on that amazing run, Newcastle. Yeah, they did. Okay, and, and you could probably argue that. But to say he was the player of the season is, I think, far-fetched considering he didn't play the first, I think, seven games. And then missed out on another like three after that or something. Like, you know, he's he's missed all these, all these games, and to say that he ca- he was better than Sean Johnson this season, is insane. And this is the impact that the media has in society in general, and particularly now in this case yeah. on footy. And this is where I was. I always stress to people to be careful about what they hear in the media. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different here. They're not. They're not saying you know, they're not completely lying or anything like that, though they can. But in media and and on commentary as well, all you hear is Kalen Ponga, Kalen Ponga, Kalen Ponga. That's all you ever hear. He's going to be the face of the game for a very long time to come. Yeah, he and will they've be. decided that. Yeah, exactly. That's the power of the media, as you're talking about. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so players aren't getting credit. Sorry, Knights players aren't getting any credit that they deserve because. All you hear is ponga, ponga, ponga. And he deserves he deserves the credit he gets. But they're not giving the credit anywhere else. And because all you hear is ponga, 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 he's getting these points 
that maybe should be going to other players. So I've mentioned Phoenix Crossland before. He deserved a lot more credit than he got. You have um, Jackson Hastings, who if he's not in that night side, they struggle big time. And he had a good replacement in Adam Clune when he wasn't playing, when he was injured. Um, but he's, I think he's a top player who could have um, taken some points from Ponga. Tyson Gamble got a little bit of credit, but not enough, I don't think. Then you have players like even Saifidi, Frizzell, like players like that don't get any mentions because Ponga is the mainstay, that main name, household name, you know. And then Sean Johnson, I mean, he got, he got robbed of a few points, you know, in several rounds, I think. He has a try and a try assist um, in one, one game where he only gets, I think, three points. Uh, he gets even less points, I think, in a game where he's kicked the winning field goal and a try assist, and he's obviously crucial throughout the game. He's a halfback. Not happy, Jen. Not happy. Well, look, who are we but two humble young men sitting in a garage yes. recording a podcast? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly but right. you make some valid points, and we'll, we'll get into this in future episodes, the yeah. power of the media oh, yeah. to influence a narrative. Yes. And to make people look like good guys and bad guys. Yeah, exactly. And right. it's so polarizing and it happens in sports, it happens in politics, it happens absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. We'll talk about this a lot more, yeah, but 100%. how about we give a little bit of time now to the amazing game that you and I witnessed over the weekend. Yeah. And that was the NRL Grand Final 2023, the Penrith Panthers against the Brisbane Broncos, and it was in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And I was very surprised by the amount of support that Brisbane had at that game. Yeah. They were loud. They were. I would argue they were louder than the <laughs> than the Penrith fans. Yeah, yeah. So, as we spoke at the beginning of the show, tintillating stuff on the edge of your seat. Um, we thought at one stage it was going to be a blowout, but tell mm. me, what do you think? How'd the game go? All right. Well, we have to start off by giving credit. Where credit is due, Adam G, referee of the year. <laughs> he deserved that grand final referee. Where was spot. his whistle? Yeah, not non-existent, but for good reason. Mm. It was he just let the game flow. It was the best refereeing performance I've seen in a long time. Um, Adam G is fun fact <laughs> married to my year twelve English teacher, who made me want to do journalism. So that's where I discovered my love. And passion for writing was because of her. So shout out, Mrs. G. Mrs. G. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but that that was quality, quality refing. Do you know that he only blew five penalties that game and two of them were for dropouts that went out on a full by Broncos. Wow. So only three in open play and they were all for, against So Panthers. it really was a battle of attrition. It was. He let Really any stoppages, nothing. Yes, Exactly. We we had we watched almost eighty minutes of footy, and the two best teams, and I think the two only teams in the comp that could have played at that level. Yes, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And he let them decide the game. He had very little impact on the game where he needed to. He blew the whistle where he didn't. Stayed out of the game. That was awesome. Adam G, shout out. Um, all right. Let's talk about some. Um, Statsy. Actually, I only have one stat that I want to talk about, to be honest. Mm. Panthers finished the game with a 97% completion rate. Impressive stat. Mm -hmm. the 37 only out of 38 sets. 37 out of 38. 
That is discipline. Like at its finest. And wow. it's not boring footy like you see. Like the Bulldogs had the highest completion rate for a couple of years, but they were just playing boring footy. Just they were one scoring ounce. four points a game. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> this is experimental footy that Panthers play. It's exciting and they're completing 37 from 38 in 80 minutes. It's unheard of. So that's the one stat I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and look at, look at the speed of the game. Yeah. The pressure. Yes, yeah. As well. And they did that. Yeah. It's a reason they three-peated. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay. So then we get into the game. The start of it, Broncos were nervous, clearly. Um, they had kept their cool the whole week coming into it. They were, they were so cool, calm and collected. It was, it was actually pretty scary to see <laughs> how calm they were. The game came, okay, they started a little bit nervous. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. Panthers forwards dominated to start off with. Um, but Broncos defended every single set on their line mm. in that first half. That try to the Panthers only came... <laughs> oh, that's off, what, yeah. off that dud drop kick. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to bat the ball back, yeah. surely your teammates are going to be ready yeah. for the bat back. Honestly, <laughs> honestly. But he could have caught it as well. Yeah. I know under the pressure and things, of you course. don't know yet. Of course. But... Um, it was a Stephen Bradbury. A Stephen Bradbury. <laughs> he was in the right place at the right time. You're exactly right. And he just, thanks for the cookie. I want to <laughs> score a try. Amazing. Amazing. Exactly right. Um, so that's the, yeah, and that's the only try they can say. And then the penalty goal um, after the, the shonky dropout again. So dropouts weren't going, <laughs> weren't going the Broncos way mm. in, that, in that grand final. But they really defended so well after the pressure they were putting themselves under, they were, I think they needed half time, just so that the first half nerves could go and they were good. But then they got the try before half time. They did. They yeah. did. Now, the half time nerves you talk about, or the first half nerves, I yeah. should say, I thought, I thought it wasn't nerves. I thought it was a tactic. So I watched Brisbane come out in the second half. Yeah. And go into another gear of play. And I thought, were they bluffing this whole first half? <laughs> because their line speed, their aggression, everything just switched on. Yeah, yeah. And it's the more logical thing would be that they were nervous. Yeah. But I thought this was a coaching masterclass. They bluffed them. <laughs> well, that is, if that was a bluff, that is the most riskiest Wow, the most riskiest. Oh, I just gave myself anxiety. <laughs> that is the riskiest <laughs> tactic ever. Mm. And uh, I doubt they would have done that because you wouldn't just intentionally give Panthers that many opportunities. Mm. As, as good as your defense is, I don't think you would intentionally give them those opportunities to put well, yourself not, under that. Not so much the opportunities, but their line speed and aggression just picked up in the second half. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see and, and that's an attitude thing. Yeah, that, like line speed yeah. and aggression isn't nerves. They just they they started the game, but it was in that manner. But they just went to a different gear mm. in that second half. So it must have been quite the halftime rev. Yeah, I think by so. the coach. Well, that's yeah. I, I I would still put it down to nerves. I think is that it's this experienced team who've come out. They know what the go is. They've come out dominant. The Broncos have tried to, but it's just. That sometimes the nerves just get the better of you. I thought they were working too half time. They they needed it just to have 
to say, all right, first half is done. Let's play our way now. Kevy Walters is a top, top coach. So for him to have given them a bit of a rev up, like you mentioned, at, at halftime, I think they needed that. And, and I was so worried when they scored that last try. They were taking the momentum into the second half with a halftime talk from Kevy Walters. I was like, oh, my gosh, Broncos are going to win it. I was supporting the Panthers. There was a little bit of pride in it. I didn't want to get my tip wrong as well. <laughs> and I was like, I was just worried. They came out. You're, you're exactly right. On fire. Ezra Mam. Ezra Mam. Come of the hour, come of the ma'am. <laughs> what a smooth guy. Channel, if Channel 9 or I Fox practiced, League... I practiced that. Oh, no. I, was, I was thinking about that. That didn't just come to me. <laughs> if anyone's looking for commentators, I mean, we have <laughs> we have a solid one here. Um, a hat-trick for a 5-8 in the space of 10 minutes in a grand final. That's ridiculous. For a player who scored 19 tries this season, a 5-8, 20 years old. Like, where, do I keep going? This is <laughs> this is insane. Look, look at who he burned to score those tries. Yeah, yeah. He got around Cleary rather easily most of the time. Yeah. This is... I was having this argument as well. I think Cleary was almost perfect defensively. I think the main problem wasn't necessarily Cleary with those tries. It was the forwards who were next to him who mm. let him down. Mm. So the first was um, Lindsay Smith... It was a little bit lazy. Then the second was Isaiah Yeo. And the third, when Reese Walsh... Yeah, so Cleary's... Cleary... To stop Reese Walsh during the game, the game plan was rush up on him. Don't give him time. Because if he has time, he accelerates, he's through. You know? Cleary rushed up on him because that's the, that's the game plan. He got stepped around. Okay. That still slows Walsh down. Mm. But you have to get, you have to actually if you watch that Reese Walsh step in like that to be able to have that sort of acceleration that left foot step yeah and then to come off his right and just go through that fast gap, yeah that that's a talent smoothly that's ridiculous that's a talent yeah the game around him slows down when he runs the ball because yeah. he's that fast yeah exactly right and we alluded to that last week with that ridiculous forward yeah. pass <laughs> yeah but yeah, exactly well Ezra Mam just those three tries. You could tell that they sucked the oxygen out of the stadium. Yes. Yeah. After half time. Exactly right. And out of the Panthers team. They looked physically down and out. They were puffing. They they were I hadn't seen the Panthers that tired physically. Probably in three or four years. Like that was I I, I thought they were gone. That's where the bluff comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the <laughs> bluff. Ah, so they switched tactics. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really thought they were down and out, the Panthers. I thought that was the grand final gone. And then we saw Jerome Luai come off the field. Oh, yes. Do you know what? I, I have gained a lot of respect for Jerome Luai. To, to be able to go through the injury that he did, to come back so soon, to play the whole prelim final, and not to shy away. Like, he wasn't standing back and, and trying to protect his shoulder. He was into everything. And he was the same for this grand final. He fought through the pain in the first half. They tried to inject him, he said, um, at halftime. And he just couldn't cop the pain um, by, I think it was like uh, 50th minute or something like that. Yeah. 51st minute. Um, so I, I've, 
it's just respect because he was into he was putting hits on, he was throwing his his arms out to tackle, you know, the the bigger forwards. Um, he was running the line like that's incredible. And I think it shows the confidence and the trust that the Penrith system had in a young player like Jack Cogger, oh. who was able to allow Jerome Luai to play the minutes he did. Yeah. And they were rather confident to say, okay, mate, you've given us everything. We've got to take you off now, but we trust in your replacement. Yeah. And Cogger comes on and he steadied things a little bit. Oh, Jack Cogger, his, this, is, this is part of the media not giving people credit because they just they focused on the same players over and over again. Cogger was not mentioned, and so people forget that he even had this massive um, uh, impact on the game. Jack Cogger came on and allowed Cleary to be as dominant as he as he was. You're right, he steadied the game, but there's there are these little things, and I want to show some some highlights if you don't mind. The highlights I'm going to show uh, are for Jack Cogger because I think if the Panthers are in the situation they're in, where Luai comes off and Cogger isn't there, then I don't think they win that game. So I'm going to show you first is the Moses Leota try, right, where Cleary goes, breaks through. Now, um, if we can play that video, I just want to show you, we're going to do some analysis here, video analysis, okay? First time we've done video analysis outside of Father Ben's big, big hit of the week, I which know. is coming up shortly. It is coming up, yes. But this is, this is new ground for us. It is. And this is, this is basically your interview for Channel 9 right now. Yeah. So don't stuff it up. Let's no, go. You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. We can't get the drawings up. We're not that advanced <laughs> yet, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay, so play the video. And just pause it right here. Yep. Okay, so that's Cogger with the ball now. Okay. Now, it seems insignificant, just a normal play, everything. If you look at the way Cogger runs, he straightens up. Now, this is the most important thing. Because he's straightened up, you have Pat Carrigan and Kobe Hetherington who now stop because they're now on Cogger. Because they were sliding. They were sliding. So if, if Cogger runs diagonal, they keep sliding and there's no overlap. Because he straightens up, they stop where they are. And I hope it's easy for everyone to tell, but Kurt Capel now, because they both have, have focused on Jack Cogger, Capel has to now look at Leota instead of Cleary, right? So now, Leota's running that decoy. Exactly. So now, when this video plays, you'll notice Cape will take a step in towards Leota and then have to go out. And because Cogger straightens up and these three players are now brought in, it lets Cleary get on the outside of Capel and throw that dummy. So play the video. You'll see him take a little step. Now he has to get around to Cleary. What a fend. Exactly. Now Cleary's allowed on the outside, throws the dummy, and it will get to Cleary in a second, but he gets through and he gives it to Leota. That's, that's Cogger's work there. Okay? That's the first one. I'm going to show you a second one now, mm -hmm. and we're going to look at Cogger again and analyze what he does here, and it's, it's very similar. So we'll play the next video. We'll pause it just there. Yep, perfect. So now you'll see Cogger, he's dummied on the inside, and he's straightened up again. And so what he's done is he's brought Billy Walters on him. So now what Piacora, who's next to him, has to do is he has to watch Fisher-Harris now a little bit closer. And what that allows is space again for Cleary to come in and create an overlap. Now they've got 
four on three, okay? And not only do they have four on three, now what it's going to allow for is Crichton to be on the outside of Katoni Stags, and then it gives him time as well to, to cause some damage. Crichton is easily the best center in the game. Katoni Stags, in my opinion, is, is down the bottom half of defensive centers in the game. He's strong and he's, he's good attacking, but defensive, defensively he has, he has his issues. Just because of Cogger straightening up here, it, straightening up, sorry, it gives Cleary the room to give Crichton an early ball. And then, so if we play it now, you'll see Cleary draw in and he gives Crichton an early ball to go on the outside. Right. And Crichton... Just strength. Yeah, Crichton's just a gun. He gets through. Now... You could say that this type of structure yep. and balance to the game mm -hmm. is something that a player like Jerome Luai lacks a little of. Yeah, Koga is more of a technical half. When yeah, he runs, right. his, his ability to read the game, he's not going to hop around the field the way Luai does. Yeah, that's right. But that's right. Koga did exactly what Penrith needed in yes. that last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, you're exactly To give right. Cleary the space he needed... To run those plays. That's right. And he that's did. Right. Yeah. And no one will talk about it no. except you. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why I'm here. So, no, I'm kidding. No, but it, it's, you're exactly right because he's a, he's a natural halfback, Jack Cogger. So that organization he's used to, it's not necessarily the running game that he's known for and things the way Luai is and the stepping and all this. He's organized. That, that was so effective. If he doesn't come on the field and do that, Panthers probably lose the game. That's my, um, that, that's, I would say probably my more unpopular opinion is if, if Cogger's not there, Panthers lose. But let's get to the real dominant player on the field as well. Um, the player who probably if, if he's on the outside of Cogger uh, does, does things differently. And, and it, there was some individual brilliance as well. Nathan Cleary. What is there to say about Nathan Cleary anymore? Well, look, four grand finals, mm -hmm. three win wins, three yep. rings, yep. and two... Um, Origin. Clive Churchill. Ah. Two Clive Churchill Sorry. medals. Yes. Thank you. He's won, <laughs> he's won a couple of Origins. I'm just going to say I need to own my opinion. Yep. Whether it's popular belief or not, Yep. But we will be talking about Nathan Cleary as the greatest halfback to have ever played the game. And he's still so young in his career. Oof. Now, this question on greatness, yep. this question on who the next immortal should be, all that kind of thing, yep. that is always going to be up in the air. It's subjective. Yeah. Because how do we measure what greatness is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So if we're talking about number of rings and premierships, he's won three straight. Yeah. The first team to three-peat in 40 years. Yeah. He's won... He's now on par with people like Bradley Clyde and I forget the other person having won two Clive Churchill medals. Mm. So... I think Slater was another could, one. Billy I Slater. think so. Yes. So... And he's, st he's still going. Yeah. He's still going. The way that he played his part last night and read the game, I just thought Nathan Cleary, masterclass, brilliance... Yes, it's a team sport, but I think we're going to be talking about him as the greatest halfback ever in years to come. If you don't agree with me now, fine. But this could be my <laughs> oracle moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now we're going to call you the oracle. <laughs> um, I, I, that's a big call. 
like we, we keep mentioning his age, but he's he's 25 and doing things that Thurston and Kronk and, and all the great halfbacks, Andrew Johns, if we go a little bit further back, those players were doing towards the end of their career at, at the maturity they were, they were at. Cleary is on a different level. He's got a running game. He's got his passing, his kicking. That 40-20 on third tackle after that, that first try of the second half is one of the most gutsy plays I've ever seen. Like if, if he doesn't kick that or if they just finish off the set and just and end-to-end kick, they, th- their momentum probably goes mm-hmm. or, or there's the opportunity for it to, to swing back Broncos' way. Um, he is, he's definitely one of the goats. Like we're going to be talking about him for ages. Whether you love or hate Cleary, if you watch that game, that's probably 20 minutes of the most brilliant individual work from a player. Jump on my back, boys. I'm taking you to another grand final week. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what he that's said. Exactly. That's what, what he, he said, and that's what he did. Yeah. Like that, that, that final try to read oh. things the way that he read them. Yeah. That footwork yeah, around yeah. tired players. Yeah. Exactly Just right. Just brilliance. And, and he deserved... Honestly, I reckon he deserved it. Because he, he gets... He cops a lot of unfair criticism, I think. If the Panthers lose or they don't play as well as they do, uh, or we expect them to play, it's automatically Nathan Cleary's fault. You know, even if he's doing his job and no one, no one else is... Like, no one else was around him in the grand final even, but, um, you know, he was creating things. It just reminded me while I said that. Was Brian Toto injured? I don't think so. Like he he had some knees left knee strapping, but I don't think that's anything different. Not that I knew of. He was not. It was really frustrating me. Whenever Isaac Tonga got the ball, or at one point I think it was Luke Garner on the right, he was in the right center position um, when he got the ball. Whenever they'd run down that edge, he'd just Toto would just drop back. Like support your player, run on the inside, do something. It was so frustrating. He was never there. Was that uncharacteristic of him? Have you yeah. seen him do that throughout the season? He's everywhere all the time. And if he's if he's not running on the outside, he's cutting back in and going for the ball and, and powering his way over the line or something. He was just hanging back. And then he'd just be there for a dummy half, ready to throw the ball. Like, I don't know if there was something wrong. Did he, did he play his role though yesterday? Did he tackle? Did he make those, those extra effort runs? Did he yeah. do all the things we know him for? Yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe there was something off. Maybe he was nervous. Who knows? Who He's knows? been in the grand final for the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But th- there was something off about Tor. Mm. Anyway, sorry. That was a side note. But, but then Cleary. Yeah, Cleary's just... Last try. Kicks it over. Converts. And Penrith win number three. Yeah, he deserves it. And, and wasn't it... Again, whether you hate or love the Clearys... It's a beautiful moment when oh, you see them. Son. Yeah, when they embraced, like that was so beautiful. I was yeah. like, man, this is awesome because now it's not coach and player, you know, criticism of their attitudes and things like that. Which, by the way, Panthers are just having fun. They're not cocky. Mm. You know, they're just enjoying themselves mm. and celebrating victories. Like it's yes. okay to celebrate. Yes, you know. Um, but it, yeah, all that goes out the window, and now it's father and son. Yeah, it was so nice. I love oh. that. Can't imagine that feeling. Yeah. Um, but uh, didn't those forwards bash each other up a bit? 
Oh, yeah, how good was that? That forward, um, uh, the pairings on either side, yeah. the clash. Yeah. We're talking about big men that just held nothing back. Yes. They ran hard and straight. They tackled hard. Yeah. And they just and kept they going. It was so impressive to watch. Yeah, it was. And it once was. again, testament to the two greatest teams in the competition this year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and you can't even fault the Broncos, like especially their forward pack. The way they played was was insane. Like they were they were really good. Mm. Kurt Capel stuck it to his former team. He was it was almost the way he was defending was like no nonsense. Like he, he wouldn't stand there and watch them dance around or whatever. He was just in. And he was impressive. And and I don't think I don't think he'll get the credit he deserves as well for, for his performance in the grand final. The the front rowers, that was the massive clash. And and they they ended up being the most important on the field. Mm. They really changed the way the game was going. Payne Haas, who gets the credit he deserves. He, he's a top player. I'm not a fan of Payne Haas, if I'm being honest, but he's a top player. You can't can't deny it. And Flegler, Thomas Flegler was I reckon Broncos best forward last night. And he too all also came out of a HIA assessment yeah, and did. was miraculously clear. <laughs> yeah, and back on. He was <laughs> back good. on. He was good. They were and fair at least across all the assessments. It, yeah, yeah, no exactly. No one was stopped yeah. from coming back onto <laughs> the field. Impartial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But he he was he's a big loss. He's going to the Dolphins next season. He's a massive loss uh, along with Farnworth. But um, Flegler was massive yeah. last night. But the, when Panthers and this is credit to Ivan Cleary. He saw his team struggling in the middle um, and and on those edges because of the, the work that they were doing in the middle. And he brought Leota back on first, mm. who impacted a little bit, but then he brought Fisher-Harris back on. And Fisher-Harris, you don't really notice the impact he has yeah. unless you, you sort of focus is on... Is he an 80-minute forward? No. He's not? No, okay. no. The front row is... Tend not to be eighty-minute players. More there, second. There roles. have been some unconventional eighty-minute forwards. They have, yeah, in the past. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I mean, if they need to go to their reserve tanks, these yeah. guys find energy oh, yeah. and they just step up for some reason. Yeah, second and third wins. Yeah, you know, they're they're crazy. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So that's the twenty twenty-three season. Big congratulations to the Penrith Panthers. On another amazing win, three championships in a row, three premierships. And deserved. Well-deserved, yeah. amazing comeback. People have been talking about it, about how exciting and how tintillating that grand final was. Yeah. Edge of your seat stuff. Yeah. and Absolutely a great amazing. And a great first game of NRL for Scotty Pippen to watch. Scotty. Mate. My boy Scotty. That is the most random thing ever. <laughs> well, he's in Australia at the moment to promote... The opening of the MB, NBL season. Oh, okay. There so they brought him over as like an ambassador to promote the game in Australia. So oh, that's cool. he was there. And he got a taste of rugby league. He got a taste of rugby league. He also got a taste of AFL as well. Oh, there you go. I'm so sure he would have been more impressed with. Well, rugby league <laughs> would have been a little bit more structured for him and he would have related yeah. it, as most Americans do, to the National Football League in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Except that's right. no pads. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And harder hits, I would say. Harder hits. Harder hits. That's uh, that's that's also controversial. Mm. Can I? Sorry, just as a last thing on this grand final and on the Panthers, is Ivan Cleary has to go down now. Surely he has to get some credit or some recognition 
for being one of the top coaches in the NRL. Like he, and, and I was saying this, and this isn't to brag or so, you know, but I was saying this from years ago when the Tigers first re-signed him. Oh, uh, sorry. Tigers first signed him as their coach. And yeah, he left the Tigers in, you know, in a bit of an unfortunate way. Tigers fans have a right to be mad at him, you know, <laughs> things like that. But from that time, I was so upset that the Bulldogs didn't sign him <laughs> because he took a Warriors team in 2011, a Warriors team who they were full of individual talents but never could get that chemistry right. He took them to the grand final and he was so successful in that. Then he started to do it at the Panthers and got sacked. Um, it might have been a little bit of impatience. That's what I think at least. Then he went to the Tigers and in, in a season and a half really made a drastic change. There, there were like, I'll never forget the game where they beat Storm at their peak. I think it was like 8-6 or something. It was just defensive masterclass by the Tigers and a Tigers team who no one expected to win it. Um, and then when Panthers re-signed him and especially when he was going to, to work with his son, I was like, okay, this is going to be deadly. <laughs> He's, in my mind, I've always seen him as a top coach. Now I think with the premierships, the four grand finals in a row, like we mentioned, the three rings now, surely he gets mentioned with the Craig Bellamy's and the Wayne Bennett's of coaching, surely. I'd agree. I'd agree. Deserves Pr it. Proof is there. Yeah. Proof is there. And Penrith have secured their future. Yeah. They've got both Ivan and Nathan signed on long-term long contracts. Yeah, they ain't going nowhere. So <laughs> if, you, if Penrith keep that spine and mm. keep those crucial players in those areas, um, they're going to be a scary team for a long time to come. Yeah. And look, it was great that they sent their, um, their outgoing players off with another ring. Yeah. And we'll take Crichton next season. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I look right. forward to him playing with the Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great to see him. Yeah. Will he be on the same side of the field as Adokar? I would assume so. But but the the this is again to the brilliance of Ivan Cleary, but also to the credit of a player like Stephen Crichton, who plays both left and right centre. Because they switched, didn't they? They did switch. So he was playing right side most, most of the season next to Toa. But for the past couple of games, he's been moved to the left. Um, like last game, he was going up against uh, Cobo and Staggs, which... Uh, I think he needed to be there because say a high ball goes up and it's Cobbo versus Taruva. Uh, I don't think Taruva has much of a chance. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, and you have that luxury with someone like Crichton. He can play both sides. He can play on the wing. He, he can play fullback. I really hope we don't play him at fullback. I hope we keep him in, in the centres. He's deadly there. Only time will tell if he's as time dominant at the Bulldogs. You know, We Bulldogs. look forward to welcoming Crichton... To the 2024 season mm. for the Mighty Bulldogs. Yeah. For the Mighty, right. Mighty Bulldogs. <laughs> the Mighty so, Bulldogs. The Mighty Bulldogs. <laughs> We're going to get back to our glory days eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So changing gears now, Anthony, the long-awaited segment. It is the long-awaited segment, but Probably we're finally here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. But we're finally here. Don't fret because it's now time for Father Ben's. Big hit of the week, bonus edition. Today, wow, bonus edition. <laughs> that's correct. Bonus edition. Today we have not one, but two big hits 
And what we have are both attacking players who Do are... Do we have a sponsor yet for this? Oh, mate. You know what? Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate it. We don't. Sadly, this segment is still sponsored by absolutely nobody. We would like for someone to sponsor this. As Father Ben mentioned last week, it will be going to a charity that we will probably disclose once we have a sponsor. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you did that. Thank you. Thank you. It was calm. It was composed. Thank you. It it seemed fitting in order to ask for (laughs) a sponsor for our our segment, you know? Okay. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. I I mean, now we're not going to be so soft because we have two massive hits, both from attacking players. Um, One will be from the grand final that we've just watched and another we will get to. And that is a special one after what we mentioned last week during the big hit segment. Okay, so this is the grand final one first? It is the grand final one first. So if we can hit the play button, please. Here we go. Here we go. Leota. Oh, Carrigan. (laughs) Paddy Cag's big hits. (laughs) And look, he's smiling as well. There is the the cheeky smile to say, yeah, you got me. He loved the contact. (laughs) Leota. Yeah. Wow. Moses Leota. The motor. The motor. Leota, the, the motor. motor. Leota. Right. Moses, the motor. Leota. Wow. Yeah. Put him on his bum, didn't he? He did. He did. And it was one angle, but it was in the context of the beginning of that match. It was just beautiful to see. Oh. And it's nice watching a player in attack. Yeah. Sometimes. It's not always about the tackle. Exactly. But if you're going to go in for the big hit, Sometimes you've got to be prepared to be on the receiving end of it as well. Exactly Just right. like players in the NBA. They go up for the big block and they get dunked on. Posterized. Posterized. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they get posterized. Yeah. But then when they pull off the block, Oof. amazing. Yeah, it is. Amazing. It Humiliating. Is. It is. For the attacking player. Mm. And so this, in this instance, it was a defender that got put on his bum. Exactly. And we we're all about... And he got up. Exactly. Got up and he smiled. Exactly. And we're all about going against the grain. We are. And so it's not just the defensive big hits. We're showing attacking. The offensive ones. Okay, so uh, we came off a long weekend. So everyone got the extra day off. Exactly. You're going to give them an extra bonus edition. That's exactly right. All right, so our second one. Our second one comes after a mention of this hit last week. And so we're showing you the hit now. And... I just want to just want to hear your commentary on it. Okay, let's have a All look. Right. Let's have a look. Here we go. It's an oldie. Here we go. Para. An oldie. Backline play. Oh, he's he's beaten Michael him. Jennings. Michael Jennings. Look Jennings. At that. Oh, look at that. Off to Sivo. Oh, oh, big hit. <laughs> Tedesco put on his bum. <laughs> have a look at this front on. Imagine that running at oh, you. Oh, few few different angles. I think there are a couple. More. Look at this. Look at this camera work. Oh, oh Mike Sivo. Is again. Oh, oh Tedesco. <laughs> he was dreaming about him that night. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it wasn't Micah Sivo. It was more like Micah Yamaka. <laughs> That's my, my one and only dad joke. It might not go down well, but Micah Yamaka, wow. <laughs> I feel- 
it's all mate. I had. It's all I had. I was thinking <laughs> about it. What do you do? Mate. Anyway, big hits. Siva <laughs> on Tedesco. Yes, Did you like that one? Micah, your maker. Meet your maker. It's <laughs> <laughs> trying. Still my best. Anyway. We are going to... You are to a dad. You are a I spiritual a dad. dad. I'm a so spiritual dad. It was so I'm allowed to tell dad jokes. <laughs> I'm allowed to. Part of That's it. one of your best. That's one of your best. <sighs> one of my best. Oh my God, I don't don't I give up your day job, eh? <laughs> don't give up your, your day job. Honestly, I have no idea what to say back to that was gold. You don't need to. We're going to get a little serious for a moment because yep. this week's readings were very challenging. Mm. As they are most weeks, if you're really taking <laughs> the Gospels and the Word of God seriously, yep. they encourage us to conversion and change of heart, and an assessment of the way we're living our lives. Amen. And what was very profound about this week's gospel, uh, which was from Matthew again, we're going through the cycle of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 28 to 32, was about um, the man that had two sons and asked them to go out and work in the field. Mm. So to one son, he said, go out and work in the field. This son said, I will not. But then on having walked away, thought about it, changed his mind and went. The second son said, I will, but then didn't. Mm. And so I want to talk about these contrasting attitudes in our life. Yeah. Because this pretty much sums up the human condition (laughs) and our relationship with God and relationship with each other. That's right. So I think it speaks to two very big themes, humility and obedience. Okay, now obedience is one of those things that make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Because most people's perceptions will be, you're taking away my autonomy, you're taking away my freedom to make decisions, and I need to be my own boss. Now, that isn't necessarily the case when we look at it in the spiritual life, because it does give us many benefits. Uh, Being accountable to someone, being responsible for something, really does change the way we look at the world. And so I looked at this and there were many, many examples that came to mind. But the ones that really hit home for me are ourselves and the way we approach everyday life. Now, before I get into my little um, spiel on it all, mm-hmm. what were your <laughs> thoughts on this particular gospel from this weekend? Because it's a challenging one. It is. It is a challenging one. And... We all like to think, um, after Christ asked the question, who was in the right? And, you know, the obvious answer is the first. We all like to think that we are the first, or we're like the first son, in that we do the right thing, even if initially there's a hesitation. Um, But when when we look a little bit deeper, there are some everyday things that we are like the second son in. And so um, there's always the the bigger sort of... um, overall picture of I say that I believe in God and that I love him but do my actions suggest the same thing but then there are the um, the smaller smaller examples the everyday examples of okay well I've made a promise today um, like I know you know when I wake up there's a promise today that in everything I do say and think is you know that it will be for the glory of God. And then I go out and I drive <laughs> and then someone cuts me off or 
someone's going 40 in a 60 zone and I'm like, come on, like get, like just get off the road. Someone ram this guy, like, you know, something, you know, you have those, those sort of thoughts. And We're not it, encouraging road rage for no, those watching at home. No, definitely not. That's the second son, bad. <laughs> um, no, but that's, and that's just, a, it's a really small example, but that's one, that's how small they can go. Um, is that okay? A thought even can be something that is completely contrary to to who we are as Christians and what we promise as Christians. Um, so, and, and that's yeah. Again, a, a smaller example. Then there's the bigger of okay. The way I live my life, will I be like the first son? Discern the way I'm living. Think about the way I'm living, and repent and repentance is a massive thing that the the word for the greek word for repentance i remember um reading is metanoia which means literally means a change of mind um and and it's usually said as repentance or conversion and it's not just i've changed my mind about uh feeling like maccas and i want kfc it's a really fundamental change in the way you think in that it affects the way you act as well. And so that is on the much larger scale um, what I got from this gospel. And that is, I think, the brilliance in the way Jesus tells this particular parable yeah. is because when things come our way in life, there's always going to be a tension when we first hear about them. Yeah, <laughs> And this is us saying to the Father, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, There's always going to be a tension, whether it's, you agree or disagree with a church teaching, whether or not you're conflicted by something that's happening in your family or social circles, there's always going to be a tension. Yeah. But that's the initial stage. When we walk away and we think about it and we pray and we discern yeah. the good from the bad, then we can truly have a change of mind. And that's why it's okay to have the attitude of the first son when it comes to our faith. God might be asking you, you beautiful internet people at home, <laughs> he might be asking you to do something in your own life that you feel uncomfortable with. And you're allowed to have that tension because mm. we're humans. We have to deal with our emotions and grapple with our situation in life. But always have an open mind and open heart. And to be able to walk away and think about those things just for a little while, to take them to prayer, to have conversations with people about them yeah. and then have a change of mind. That's the, that's the son that, that did right in the father's eyes. Yeah. God doesn't expect of us to have a complete change of heart overnight. And for some people, he might give that ability, that gift, that grace to do. He yeah. might do that. But at the end of the day, we're allowed to grapple with these things. So that's, that's the beauty of it. I love what you talk about in just the everyday. I say that I love God. I say that I will be this, that, and the other in my own life. Yeah. And then we go out and do the complete opposite. Yeah. Now, that can happen to some of the most religious people, um, and I'm in danger of that also. Yeah. I mean, I can look the part. I'm the Catholic priest. But in my thoughts, words, and actions, I can still give in to things that are contrary to what is good and holy. Mm. And that's the real challenge in all of this. The real challenge is... Don't let me be a person that just says yes for the sake of saying yes and looking good 
and then go away and do something completely different. Yeah. And that's the great challenge in our more developed countries. We, we can be, there can be people sitting in the pews at church that, uh, that can walk up the communion line every Sunday and say, Amen. Do they understand the gravity of that Amen when they receive Jesus in the Eucharist? That you are assenting to the truths of the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. You're saying yes, but then you walk out and you do something completely different. Or you yeah. disagree with the church's teaching on something. Yes. Have you taken the time to actually think about, process, pray with this, this point of tension in your own faith? Mm. It's massive. Yeah. It's the brilliance of Jesus in this parable. Yeah. And, and on that, it, there is a beauty in even when we don't fully understand or even necessarily agree with the teaching of the church, to understand that it is... It is from God and to trust that it is the way it is because it is what God intended and to just accept it, even if we don't agree and even if we don't fully understand it, to accept it at first and to understand that it is the authority and um, and it's the way, like I mentioned, God intended it to be because in that, in time, you come to understand why it is that this teaching exists and there have been a number of those in my life and i'm sure we'll get to a lot of um, topics and things throughout um, the podcast but that's where the change of mind can come about in the ability to just accept that this is the truth even if i don't understand it even if i don't necessarily agree with it uh, based on what i know at the moment Mm. and to understand that i I will know more if I do some research, if I look further into yeah. it and to, and to say, okay, there could be this metanoia, this change of mind. And so that starts with humility. We need, yes. we need to be humble and be the first people to say, I don't know it all. Yeah. Because yeah. the person that walks around thinking they know it all and that person doesn't exist yeah, But the person that has that attitude will always be closed off to any kind of discovery because their own opinion is gospel. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen the danger of that all throughout history. So we have to be very, very careful in that. So it starts with humility. And we saw that in St. Paul's beautiful words in his second reading um, this yes. week, the letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. Jesus' state was divine, but he didn't cling to his equality with God. He humbled himself, taking on the form of a slave and accepting death, even death on a cross. Now, I don't know how many of us were at church this weekend, and I would encourage everyone, if it's not something that you do, get to church on a Sunday. Give God that day and watch how it will change your life. But you wait and see the power of those words when you really sit with them for a little bit. God, who really didn't need to do what he did, but he did it out of love for us so that we could once again have that relationship with him, sent his only son who humbly accepted it yeah, and accepted his condition 
and the way that he went out for us in love by being crucified was just the most beautiful thing any human being has ever done. Amen. And that is something that I think needs to be thought about, reflected on and prayed with a whole lot more. But St. Paul really goes into this and he, he says, he goes, in your minds as human beings, me and you, yeah. we must be the same as Christ Jesus. And then he goes into this. Wow. He, did, he assumed the condition of a slave. Note what St. Paul says at the beginning of that particular reading. If your life in Christ means anything to you, if love can persuade us, we must believe things in common. We must be united in our love with a common purpose and a common mind. Wow. Now, St. Paul's not telling us we have to be robots. We, we have <laughs> to be mindless, brainless people who walk around with superstition and all sorts of crazy um, you know, uh, practices. That's not what he's getting at. Look at what he then goes on to say. There must be no competition among you. No conceit. Everybody is to be self-effacing. Always consider the other person to be better than you. Now, if this is not a countercultural slap in the <laughs> face, I do not know what is. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely amazing what St. Paul's talking about. So his whole reading here is about humility. It's about building up our brothers and sisters and not tearing them down. Yeah. And so it must begin with humility. And so when there is a humble state, we're in a much better position to be obedient yeah. and to listen to the Father the way Jesus listens to the Father. Yeah, that's right. And it really, really hit me in a different way this, this past Sunday, even before the gospel was read, which is really interesting. It was before Mass even started. I was, um, I was in church and I was staring at the crucifix and the humility... Humility of our Lord, there we go, just hit me in a different way because I was staring at Christ on the cross and I was thinking, you're God. And then I know we don't see it in depictions of the crucifix, but uh, when Christ was crucified, he would have been naked, which is a shameful sort of thing. It was, it was to cause... And a lot more torn to shreds than what we yeah. see on a traditional crucifix. Exactly. The prophet Isaiah speaks to that he was hardly recognisable. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. That is massive. Yeah. Now, just before you go on, Anthony, yeah. hold that point for a second. Yes. There are a lot of people out there and at home, and I, I come aco across this confusion all the time, people don't know if Jesus is God. Ah, uh, yes. They don't understand that. So we as Christians... We believe in what we call a triune God, a God of three persons. Yep. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So yes, Jesus is God, which makes what he did by assuming the condition of a slave yeah. and accepting death and death on a cross even more profound when you think about it. Yeah. And so when people walk around and say, God doesn't care about me or love me, the proof is right there. Exactly. He does love you. Exactly. He died for you. He showed his love better than anyone on this in this world could have ever shown you love. Yeah. More than a husband loves his wife. 
Exactly. More exactly. than a guy that lays his life down or thinks he's laying his life down for someone else could ever. Yeah. Because that was still a sinful person. That was courageous what they did. Yeah. But we're talking about God here. Yeah, exactly. Was like us in every way except sin. Yeah. And he still did that. Amen. So yes, Jesus is God for those playing at home. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you've just lit a little fire inside of me because I, I do get really passionate about about the love of God because it's really hit me in a new way recently, even though I've been what you might say is practicing my faith for 10 years now. Um, and it's firstly understanding and believing Jesus is God was something I did struggle with. And I thought, um, well, God would have sent this guy down, this human down, um, and, and he did God's work for him, you know, so more, more so like a prophet. But to understand that God the Son was always there. He always existed and he came down. Begotten, not made. That's what we say in our creed. He wasn't created he is God, come down, made man, uh, sorry, became man um, through the beautiful anthropological order that he created himself of, uh, you know, a birth, uh, the birth of a baby, yeah. of a child. And so um, that's, that's just the first thing. But the second thing, like I was saying, I get a little bit passionate about it is because we, we do, we can, and I fall into this as well, but we can just say, you know, God doesn't love me. How can he be a loving God when this hasn't happened in my life? Blah, blah, blah. And we, we ask those questions. Yes, you're exactly right. This, this is enough proof. But something I heard in a, in a talk by Father Larry Richards, and I'm name dropping again, <laughs> shout out Father Larry Richards, is, and it made me cry like, like I've never cried before, <laughs> um, is he was talking about, and, and this is my, my favorite icon, in our faith, is the Pieta, which is Our Lady holding the the dead body of her son in her arms as he's just been taken off the cross. Exactly, exactly, and um, for 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 lots of meaning. But to stay on topic now, is if we ever ask that question, does God love me? I don't think. Oh, we start to sell ourselves. I don't think He loves me. What has He done in my life? to show me that he loves me? Or what has he ever done to prove that he's a God of love? And if we just look at Our Lady in that moment as she's, as she's rocking the body of her dead son, if we look at her and say to her, well, what, is, you know, what has he done for me lately? Or really, does your son really love me? Like, does God really love me? And she'll just, this is what Father Larry Richards says. He says, watch her look back at you with pain in her eyes and just say to you, what more could he have done for you? Mm. Like, look at him, mm. look at him. I'm carrying him here. And I'm far out getting a bit <laughs> emotional. Now. But how much more could he have done to show you that he yes. loves you? And that's, that's beautifully put, Anth. And uh, that speaks, I think, to our human condition is that we need to pray to our Father in heaven and, and say, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Because to a person who is going through something really, really difficult, we must remember, and we can also be consoled by the words of St. Paul, 
in his letter to the Romans, whatever trial you are currently going through will pale in comparison to the pledge of future glory. And that, and that is why we can sometimes fall into the mindset of, of being practical atheists, really, mm. where we think that this is everything. It's all just here. Yeah. yeah. And so my, my trial, my conundrum, whatever I'm going through, it has to be improved here and now. Yeah. And if it's not improved here and now, then God doesn't love me. Yeah. yeah. But God does love you. And the fact that he sent his only son who died on the cross for us, the fact that he's done that proves his love, but also has opened up for you the possibility to spend eternity with him in heaven. Had that not happened, we would have all been damned. We'll become exactly. worm food. Yeah. Amen. There's no hope. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a good thing that God has done that out of love and that Jesus has humbled himself and been obedient to his Father in heaven. Yeah. Think about all of the times in Jesus' ministry where he comes up against some kind of opposition. I'm thinking about St. Peter now. Mm. He has for the first time, after he has told St. Peter, you are the rock. Yes. And on <laughs> you I will build my church. Yeah. Okay. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18. The keys of the kingdom, the establishment of the church. He says, he's given Peter this great responsibility. I always like to think what would have been going through Peter's mind at the time. Is he a little bit cocky now? Is, he yeah. a little, <laughs> is his ego growing a little bit? Because he's just been told that he's going to lead this thing. Not knowing or understanding properly what Jesus is getting at. And so when Jesus tells them that the Son of Man must be delivered and will die, Peter starts to remonstrate with him. <laughs> Lord, no, that's not what you're supposed to be about. Mm. And Jesus always being about the will of the Father, being obedient to the will of the Father, says, get behind me, Satan. This is not what I'm here for. You still have much to learn. It's not what I'm about. Yeah. And so we, we look to Jesus as our model for obedience. We can go through generations of many holy men and women who have done that. And I got my first taste of this um, just over a year ago when I was ordained a priest where I put my hands into the bishop's hands and he asked me the question, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? And I looked him in the eye and I said, I do. That is a hard thing to live out because there might be a decision that he makes that I might not be terribly fond of. Yeah. But I've sworn obedience to him. And in doing that, I'm honoring God. Amen. Because he's got his eye on things. He's got a better idea of what the church is going through than I would. Yeah. And so if he needs me somewhere or if he asks me to do something, even though it might be tense or what happens within me is a little bit of a detraction from what he wants, in my mind I can say, I will not go. But then praying about it and understanding what I've promised and trying to look at the bigger picture, I pray I have a change of heart and then go and do what he asked, just like the father did with the first son in this gospel yeah. that we just had this weekend. Yeah, and you, you mentioned a couple of times that it's seeing things in light of eternity or it's having a look at the bigger picture and 
that is the most important thing that we do in our life is we look at it in context of eternity and the saints did that did that well some better than others <laughs> and saint Teresa of Lisieux she's she's always my favorite example of this because she said um, I remember hearing a story of her saying to her mum when she was just a child she said to her mum I, I can't wait for you and dad to die and then her mum was like what are you on about like <laughs> and um, saint Teresa said she wished death upon her mum and dad out of innocence, looking at the bigger picture of eternity. She wanted them to be in heaven mm. and she wanted it soon for them, yeah. you know? And so it was out of the innocence that she said that and her, her mum had to obviously tell her, well, you don't say that <laughs> to people. Yeah. And um, then contrast that with a saint like Saint Rita who wished that her two sons would fall gravely ill and die in a state of grace, meaning that they are in communion with God, yeah. in relationship with God, rather than commit an act of vengeance that they wanted to carry out um, on behalf of their father. Yeah. So she wanted them to spend an eternity with God in heaven and would have preferred her own children get sick and die in a state of grace than them commit a mortal sin and lose that eternal reward that Jesus had given them. Amen. Amen. So and there's two contrasting stories there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. But both saints that had their view to the bigger picture. Exactly. Exactly. And that is where obedience becomes not necessarily easier, but it becomes clearer in that your vow of obedience comes not just to uh, to say yes to everything this guy says, you know, or your superior says to you. It's like we've been talking about, in light of eternity and, um, and of the greater good. And this is something that I come across that a lot of people have a problem with when it comes to obedience. And it's that they see it as a, as a weakness or as um, you being a doormat, you know? Like if you're, if, if you're preaching obedience, then you're basically saying, well, no matter what, you're just going to say yes and, and go with it. And we find a similar sort of theme when, when we hear, you know, turn the other cheek. That, that's, I think everyone knows that, <laughs> that saying. Um, and I, the, reason, the reason I'm bringing this, this up is because it's becoming, from what I can see, a massive issue in society where I was watching a podcast with uh, George Janko and Patrick Bet David. Um, and they were talking about turn the other cheek. Now, they're, they're both Christians um, and, and they're quite into their faith. Um, but they made an interesting comment about turn the other cheek, but it, but it applies with obedience as well, where they said, well, yeah, like it is uh, turn the other cheek, but, you know, at times you, don't, you can't turn the other cheek. You, you have to stand up for yourself and things and blah, blah. And I was thinking, no, they go hand in hand. It's not you don't turn the other cheek and you stand up for yourself or you be a doormat and turn the other cheek. And it's the same here. Being obedient is actually a strength. But what would you say to that? Because I think it's something that's really becoming prevalent in our culture where people are saying, no, don't turn the other cheek, stand up. Yes. As if they're two opposing things. Yeah. Well, we, we live... Great question. You put me on the spot. Sorry. I think we, <laughs> we, live, we live in a culture of polarization. Yeah. So it's always got to be this end or that end. Yeah. And when it's like that, we lose the ability to grow in virtue, which basically meets in the middle. 
Okay, so yes, you can have a belief about something and if that belief is in accord with God and the church and her teachings, okay, you can hold on to that, good. But then if you're challenged in a different area, you don't necessarily have to drop all of this um, so that you can stand up in that area. Yeah. So we need to be people of consistency. We need to be people who actually are well-rounded in our approach to what we're asked or what we're challenged on. So I'll give you an example. Look at someone like Padre Pio, okay? He, he's, a, he's a saint. I encourage you to look him up. Um, a, a great wonder worker, miracle worker. He was very famously known for his stigmata, which yes. were the wounds of Christ, okay? Now, church authorities had a big issue with how popular he was becoming. Yeah. And people were flocking from all over Italy and even other parts of Europe to come and see this great priest, they put a ban on him from saying mass publicly for two years and then also offering spiritual direction for two years. They put a, a, they put a halt to all of that. Wow. Okay, Now, this ties in with the theme of what we're talking about here. He's done nothing wrong. He's just a man in love with God. Okay, But he understood the promise he made as a religious he swore obedience to his successors and his superiors. He actually remained silent for two years. He listened. Wow. He didn't write letters of complaint. He didn't leave the church and try and make his own new church. Yeah. Yeah. And say, people are picking on me. This isn't fair. Yeah. He didn't say, oh, the church is um, being uh, unjust. He didn't do any of that. He remained faithful for those two years. He remained the man he is. He remained the priest he is, completely faithful. And now he's one of the greatest miracle workers in the church. We call him a saint. Yeah. So really an amazing thing that we got to see through Padre Pio. You don't have to... If you know who you are, this is what I'm getting at. If you know who you are as a person, yep. there should be no reason that you forfeit what's in you for the sake of something else yeah. that's not grounded in truth that um, or is, is perceived to be weak, okay? The, the culture and the world will always see it as weakness. We yeah. can't change their minds, yeah. Yeah. okay? But for a person who's on that spiritual path, there, there will be, have to be elements of humility and obedience in the way you live your life, Yeah. Okay. So that's all I'll say about that. That's cool. That's cool. And um, just while you were talking, I just a million things popped into my mind. <laughs> Usually happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> Humility. <laughs> um, but I've given you something to think about. You have. You that's have. it. And and this is an. I was actually going to bring this up. This is an important part of humility where we can, a lot of the time we can fall into, and, and this is something that I struggled with personally as well, is false humility, where we think that humility is denying that we have gifts and just saying, oh, no, no, we're not good at this or we're not good at that, you know, oh, no, 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 sort of thing. But it's not, it's a, it's a acknowledging that these are the gifts you were given. It doesn't make you above anyone else. You're all still sinful yes. men and women, sons and daughters of God. So... Our Lord said it best himself. You are the light of the world. What good is a light if it's buried? You are the salt of the earth. 
Oh, your catchphrase. My catch, the, <laughs> our ending to this show. Yeah. <laughs> what good is salt if it loses its taste, I, its ability to preserve, its ability to do what it's supposed to do? Amen. So Jesus says it best himself. If you are a light, if you have a gift that will glorify God, then use it. So it's a beautiful way, I think, to finish the show. It's been a very, yes. it's been our longest show yet. Let us know what you think. Yeah. We've gone through a lot today, but there was a lot to get through today. That's right. We had That's a big right. week of sport. Yeah. And that analysis was on point. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and then we had the depth of, we could have kept going for hours on these scripture readings oh, yeah, that for sure. on this Sunday that just passed because it was just filled with so much richness. But I think it's been a good episode. I, think I feel so. good about this one. Me too. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe, comment. We've got comments turned on, don't we? We do. Wonderful. If you want to um, write um, letters um, of feedback and send them. Via Carrier Pigeon? Yep. Yeah, we'll take that too. <laughs> we'll take that too. We'll do all that kind of stuff. Um, you can write articles, opinion pieces in papers and do all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, that would be nice. I think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> don't know how well that'll go. <laughs> Look, we are we are going to finish the way we always do now, and that's with prayer. And there's been a lot of serious talk. There's been a lot of joking around. I think we're we're getting that balance right. But what we ultimately have to do is really just give thanks to God, who is the source of all good things. And we thank you, Lord, Father in heaven, for all your great gifts and benefits. We thank you for an amazing season of rugby league and ability to be entertained um, by such great men and women who are athletes in their own accord, who have given us and our families entertainment, who have shown us what the human body can go through. We thank you um, for that season that we've just had. We give you thanks for the great grand final that we witnessed. We pray for those players who were injured. We pray that they have a speedy recovery. We entrust to you all of those who are going through their own battles in life personally outside of the game of football. We ask that you send your loving spirit into their lives so that they might be healed and recognize the great gift of life that they've been given, the great many blessings that they've been given. And may they turn to you always as the source of all goodness. We ask all these prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you, Anthony. Anthony behind the camera and Sarah. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ says, You are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it loses its taste? So stay salty, everyone. And don't be afraid to go against the grain. See you next time. God, God bless. bless.